Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. As Susie was playing that song, It Is Well With My Soul, that has got to be uh, one of my top five uh, favorite hymns, as well as I'm sure many of you in here feel the same way. And I was just thinking, man, i got to follow this up with the seventh seal being broken in the book of Revelation. Then I thought, what better way, what better segue than to say, as a believer in Jesus Christ, when this world is falling apart, you may be able to say, it is well with your soul. So if you've been uh, with us through this time, whether you've been on Facebook Live or in In person, that's okay. You can catch up wherever you're at. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, as we see the Lamb breaks the seventh seal. Ever since chapter 4, we have been looking at the events which are foretold to happen after the church is raptured. And by raptured, meaning where true believers in Jesus Christ ascend to heaven before the great tribulation occurs. And the first seven judgments we have studied are all the results of nature losing its way, of everything that is that people take for granted and hold dear is going to fall apart. And because of bad, sinful choices, this world will reap results that affect everyone. And so as the seven trumpets are introduced, we will see God's direct judgment on a rebellious race. And you and I have to remember that God is not doing this. this. This event of the Great Tribulation is not God trying to get even or exact his revenge upon his creation. His desire is, God's desire was, is, and always has been that all would be saved and not perish. However, he can't give anyone a pass on their sin because his son, Jesus Christ, paid the debt and the price to reconcile us to him. For God to give you and I a pass on our sin would to be able to, that would be him negating and and taking for granted and nullifying everything Jesus did on the cross for your sin and mine. So, much like a parent who disciplines a stubborn, strong-willed child, his judgment comes from a place of love. If God did not love this world, it would still not be here. So this morning we dive into chapter 8 to find the breaking of the seventh seal on the scroll that God holds in his hand. As we know from previous scriptures and revelation, only Jesus is worthy to open this scroll. And although we do not know exactly what is written on it, we can see that God's plan is unfolding. As events of this world propel us closer and closer to the end. We are also introduced to angels sounding seven trumpets with certain events to follow after that occurrence. So open your Bible, buckle your pew belt, and let's jump right in. The first thing that we see is the significance of silence in heaven. The significance of silence in heaven uh, in the very first verse. Now, J. Vernon McGee is a commentator that I read a lot, and he shares an account of speaking at a youth conference. And a group of girls were approaching him, and he noticed in the middle of this frenzy of girls was this poor boy that he was just catching it from those girls. He was getting a lot of grief from them. And as they approached Dr. McGee, the boy said, Dr. McGee, did you know that there are not going to be any women in heaven? Dr. McGee replied, why, no, I did not know that. Do you have a Bible reference for that? And the boy said, I sure do. 
The Bible says that there's going to be silence in heaven for about a half an hour. If there are any women there, there couldn't be any silence for that long. So the girls were correcting that boy's theology is what was happening. And uh, Dr. McGee agreed with the girls that the meaning had nothing to do with what he was talking about. But in all seriousness, notice in verse 1, it says, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, or some translations say book instead of scroll, there was a silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. And folks, when we read that, it's easy to gloss over that and go to the good stuff. But my friend, this is the good stuff. God is a God of love, but he is also a God of wrath. We have to get the picture of gentle Jesus out of our heads at this point in Scripture. Jesus is no longer the suffering servant, my friend. He is the reigning king. And big things are coming. So as we look at this 30 minutes of silence in heaven, it is a lull before the storm. Now, I've been in situations like, for example, uh, you may think this is crazy, but if you ever go into a large room, especially like a sanctuary at night when the lights are not on and it's quiet, I challenge you to sit in a sanctuary at night with no lights for a time span of about 30 minutes. It's like the silence is screaming at you. Or have you ever been in a situation where the silence you heard was overwhelming? It's almost as if the silence was screaming. I can remember in our church bus accident, after the bus finally came to a rest, I remember the most eerie silence. It was, oh, here we are on I-85, the bus on the side. And it was just quiet. And then all of a sudden, it got loud fast. So what I want you to do is picture heaven. Every time we see heaven mentioned in the Bible, there is loud worship. There are harps, there are strings, there are trumpets, there are voices. And heaven rejoices, we know, when one sinner repents and accepts Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Heaven rejoices when a believer leaves this earth and returns to their heavenly home. So the fact that John sees a vision of 30 minutes of a window of silence, many of you know, in a home with many children, if it is quiet, they are either not at the house, asleep, Or up to something, right? Well, God is definitely up to something as this judgment begins to unfold. I would almost look at this 30 minutes as the wind-up of the big pitch. In other words, heaven is silent. It's almost like people say when a tornado comes through. is that there is this eerie silence, and then it is on. Well, we're going to see what John sees today. Let's look at verses 2 through 5. The trumpets will not be ignored. The trumpets will not be ignored. It says in verse 2, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Folks, we can see from verse 2 that the great tribulation demands our attention. As the seals have been broken, we begin with God's plan unfolding. And the vision of these seven angels sounding seven trumpets is very appropriate. Why is that? Again, we see the number seven. We know that when the number seven is used in Scripture, it is a significant number meaning completion. And often trumpets were used to lead forces into battle. As a matter of fact, in the Battle of Gideon, they won because of a trumpet sounding. 
Now, I don't know if you live near a fire station at your house, but I remember in North Carolina, every the first Saturday of every month, they would wind up that siren. Y'all ever hear sirens at your house? Those big loud sirens? Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, when I hear it on the first Saturday of the month, I never got worried. But when I heard it on any other day, I'm like, what's going on? That's not right. And my friend, when these trumpets sound, it is going to demand our attention. And the book of Revelation has been made available to mankind for over a thousand years. And anyone can have access to the warnings that we're reading now. So ignoring them or discounting them or uh, trying to make excuses for them, there will be no excuse when these trumpets sound. The trumpets will sound and those still on the earth will begin to see it fall apart. And here's the crazy thing. As we look at the, the great tribulation here, do you realize you've prayed for this moment? You have prayed for the great tribulation to come. As believers, you have prayed for this moment. How in the world did you pray for this moment? Well, look at verses 3 through 5. Then another angel with a gold incense burner, some translations say a censer, came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix, and the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with the fire from the altar and threw it, man, that is so visceral, and threw it down upon the earth. And thunder crashed and lightning flashed and there was a terrible earthquake. So here we see in this passage, it says in verse 3, another angel. This angel is not one of the four living beings that are around the throne of God. It is not one of the seven angels that is blowing the trumpets. It's another an angel. And we know in Scripture when it says an angel, an angel is another word for a messenger of God standing before the throne of God. And let's talk about this, this censure or this, this incense burner. Basically, it was like a large gold pot and there were holes pierced all over it. And there were many hot coals that are placed in this pure gold pot. And then they would take, on top of those coals, they would put this sweet-smelling incense. And so maybe you've seen on TV or on news articles, or maybe even some of you know people of Catholic faith or other faiths where they use, they have the thing that has the smoke coming out of it. That's kind of, and the priest is holding it as they walk around. What does it say the sweet-smelling incense is that's placed on top of the coals? The Scripture says it's the prayers of God's People, your prayers are included with the incense that sends up a sweet-smelling offering to the heavens. And as this incense fills heaven, there are horrific activities that are poured out on the world during this great tribulation. We see that that pot is thrown to the earth with earthquake, thunder, and lightning. So how in the world does it mean that you've prayed for this? If you have ever prayed, may your kingdom come or your will be done. This is God's will. If you've ever prayed for God's will to be done on earth, this is part of it. If you've ever prayed for God's will to be done in your life, this is part of it. You can't extract this from Scripture. It's either all in or all out. 
when you pray for God's will to be done, the great tribulation is God's will. And a strong assurance is given here to the suffering followers, followers of Christ that their prayers and vindication are not forgotten because God will vindicate them from their enemies' assault. Well, as we read on in verses 6 through 12, we see that in the first four trumpets, the world begins to fall apart. And the thing is, is that when we look at these four trumpets, you're going to see that they all deal with everything that mankind holds dear to itself and takes for granted is going to be gone. Check this out. Before I do that, let's talk about the fact that some people, when they translate these verses, they take them figuratively. In other words, these are representations of of things that either have happened or will happen. But there are some that take it quite literally. When a tree is a tree, that's how you translate it. When an earthquake is an earthquake, that's how you translate it. So many Bible commentators throughout the years have tried to equate these coming events with the events that have already happened. Some people have said these judgments are speaking about the fall of a nation or some type of war among a people group. The second thing is, is that avoid trying to place these judgments on some type of timeline or progression that can make them seemingly measurable or predictable. Now, I'm sorry, we're getting close to lunch for some of you, and I don't want to make you hungry, but I want you to imagine a sub sandwich. Y'all like a good sub sandwich? I do. I especially like it when you have one of those trays where they have all, you can put, you can make it however you want it. And so I want you to imagine that so many people look at the book of Revelation as a Subway sandwich tray. I'm not supposed to endorse Subway, am I? A sandwich tray. And so you see the meat and the cheeses and the lettuce and the tomatoes and all this kind of stuff. And so you're thinking, I'm going to put this on there and then this on there and this on there. So when people look at the book of Revelation, they say, okay, this trumpet, this trumpet, this trumpet, this seal, this seal, this seal, this bowl, this bowl, this bowl. And so they try to say that if we can all these things match them together in some chronological order, we can predict when Jesus is going to come back. But my friend, when you look at the book of Revelation, it is written in a very Hebraic Form. Well, I mean by Hebraic, the Hebrews, when they would write, they would write a story and then they would tell it again, each time adding a little bit more information. So, my friend, Revelation is not like a sub sandwich tray. It is like the sandwich after you've already assembled it. And let me show you what I mean. Look at these judgments. For example, Revelation 6.12 stated, I watched as a lamb broke the sixth seal And there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. We find a similar reference in verses 6 through 12 where it says, Then of chapter 8, Then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blast. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown down to earth. One third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the grass was burned. This is entirely plausible to envision this happening, either in a mechanical sense or a natural sense. What do I mean by that? Mechanically, it could be a missile. It could be a bomb. It could be some type of warfare. It could be something that man has made that is going to rain fire upon this earth. 
But it also could be natural. It could be a meteorite, which is an asteroid that has fallen to the earth. Did you know that they already do that? Between 90 and 95 percent of the falling asteroids that come into our atmosphere burn up in the atmosphere. We call them shooting stars. And they result in bright streaks that can be seen across the sky. But when meteors survive their high-speed plunge toward the earth and drop to the ground, they are called meteorites. Think about it, a ball of fire falling from the heavens. It could start a fire, a wildfire. We can see the damages of that just by looking at our news feeds in California or taking a trip up to Pigeon Forge in Sevierville. And to see the devastation that that fire had made. And when it says that it was mixed with blood, that could mean that they had a reddish tint to them. Or it could mean it is literally the blood of the people that they are impacting. When the grass is burned, think about it. When the grass is burned, what do the animals eat? And what do the farmers grow? So when the animals are gone and the the stuff that has grown is not able to grow, then we won't have anything to eat. The second trumpet in verses 8 through 9 says, The second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water in the sea became blood. One-third of all living things in the sea died, and one-third of all the ships of the sea were destroyed. When it says a great mountain of fire, that could literally mean some type of huge meteorite. And believe it or not, that's not uncommon either because scientists have found craters in the seafloor that match the type of craters that are seen on the moon to where meteorites have hit that as well. It talks about the sea became blood. The sea that he's talking about here commonly is the Mediterranean Sea. And the blood could be a callback to the plagues of Egypt where God turned the the water into blood, or it could, again, mean the the literal representation of the blood of the creatures and the people that are on the ships filling the sea with with blood. Then the third trumpet. Then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell From the sky, burning like a torch, it fell on one-third of the rivers of the springs of the water, and the name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many of the people died from drinking the bitter water. Folks, when a water source is compromised, many people suffer from the lack of drinking water. The World Health Organization claims that one in three people across the world do not have access to safe water. Safe drinking water. I know that when we have storms or pandemics and you go to the store to try to find your distilled water or your bottled water and it's not there. Not too long ago, we've talked about this before in Anderson where we had the the issue with the water and you couldn't find water anywhere. As a matter of fact, they had to take big, large tankers from fire departments and truck in water to the hospital just so the hospital air conditioner could continue to run. Can you imagine what would have happened if the hospital, if the AC would have went out in the operating rooms, in the labs? The fourth trumpet says, Then a fourth angel blew his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark, and one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night. 
I'm sure most of us in here can probably remember back to our studies in school and the importance of the sun. You, you, you ever seen those models where you have the sun and you have all the other planets rotating around it? What we see here is that we actually see that whole system falling apart. Do you realize that the axis of the, that the earth spins on, if it moved just a percentage of a degree, it would cause chaos and earthquakes and tsunamis and all kinds of other things that would happen if it was out of control. And think about it where it says the sun goes dark. What determines the temperature? The sun and how close the earth is to it. Whether it's sunlight or night, it depends on the sun, the seasons, and sustainability. If the axis of the earth, again, were to change, we would all be in trouble. So that whole solar system that you studied will start to fall apart. If you don't believe me, Jesus himself talked about this in Matthew 24, verse 29. I've got it on the screen to show you, or you can look in your own copy of God's word. It says, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. When we see darkness used in the Bible throughout Scripture, it's normally a sign of God's judgment. We saw that when the ninth plague hit Egypt, there was a time of darkness. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, there was a time of darkness. So as we take these first four seals, I hope that as you read it, you can see that this is not just some type of far-fletched allegory, but these are things that could literally happen the way that they are written. That's why I hope and pray that I'm part of the rapture church that is not here when all this goes along. But we know because of last week that God still has got 144,000 sealed Jew believers that are going to help usher in his work during the great tribulation. But still, this sounds terrible. And in these judgments, every natural thing that mankind depends on is under attack. Now, whether, wherever you stand on global warming or the environment or space invasions, uh, extraterrestrial lives and all these kind of things, I can assure you when these things start to happen, it will not be a result of those things. Again, I'm not saying that they're not a real deal, but I'm saying all of these judgments will be Coming from the hand of God, not because we didn't do something, because this is God's will. And then finally we see in verse 13, even in judgment, God offers mercy. Even in judgment, God offers mercy. He says, then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew in the air. Terror, terror, terror to all those who belong to this world. Because of what will happen when the three angels blow their trumpet. Talking about the next three. Some translations, it'll say that an angel is crying loudly, loudly instead of an eagle. Some translations, instead of terror, call them woes. Three woes. So here we see another warning is given. The eagle's cry announces the severity of the last three plagues, of which we'll talk about next week. 
which kill a third of the earth's populations, to the woes or the terrors that are identified with the fifth and sixth trumpets, two of them are identified in verses chapter 9, 12 and chapter eleven fourteen. But as we close our time today, listen, my friend, the time to get serious about your faith is today. That's what we see from the book of Revelation. Second Peter 3, 9 says that the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Here's the thing. Everybody looks at this and says, man, this is kind of, this is kind of doom and gloom for God to be doing all this. But what I want you to see is that in this we see even in God's judgment, he delivers his mercy. How do I know that? In each of these judgments, we read what percentage of, of people were affected by this. One-third, 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 and one-third. What does that mean? That means that God preserves twice as much than he destroys. You ever thought of it that way? God preserves twice as much as he destroys. And then also, God spares more than he strikes. God spares more than he strikes. So take these judgments to heart, my friends. Make your decision today for Jesus so you will not have to experience the world falling apart in a way that no one has seen or imagined. As you look at your beautiful children and grandchildren and you know that this is a future, it may be another thousand years from now, but it may be right before we reach our cars after this service. This is not a game. This is not an allegory. This is not a story time with John that he writes down some kind of trip that he wants you to kind of sit in dark rooms and discuss and deliberate about. This is a warning to say, get right now. Because these days you think it's bad. But we have yet to even see the tip of the spear when it comes to what's going to happen. Take these judgments to heart. Make your decision today for Jesus. So you will not have to experience the world falling apart in a way that has no one has seen or imagined. And we have three more trumpet judgments to go, and you're not going to want to miss that. Let's pray. God, I thank you for our time this morning. And I thank you for your warning and your word, Lord, that, that this is what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation. And this is nothing that we want anybody to go through. So, Lord, may we take it seriously as a Christian to, not, to position our life in a, in a way that where we can be assured that we're not going to have to go through that. But more importantly, what a grand motivator, Lord, to share the gospel with people so that they won't have to go through it either. I sit here and I, have, I see in, in, in my mind's eye, I see the children and the grandchildren in our church, and I thank God, I thank Him for the parents that are instilling your faith into their lives. And Father, that's the only way that, that we can prepare, prepare ourselves and to lovingly share people the hope that you have given us through Jesus Christ. If there's anyone here today that is not sure of their salvation and they're afraid that they may be ones left behind to go through this judgment, I pray they not leave this church this morning until they nail down that decision. They can talk to me. I will stay after. 
or I'm sure that we will have some deacons and some Bible study teachers and godly people. There is no one that needs to leave here today not knowing for sure that they will make heaven and skip the great tribulation. If there's someone watching by Facebook, may they message us or call the church office or reach out to us and we will gladly tell them what it means to be saved. But Lord, thank you for this worship service. Thank you for your warning and thank you for your love that even in what you judge, you preserve even more. We love you, for it's in your name we pray. Amen.